Welcome to the Couch Lutters Podcast. Hey, Trent. Hey, Rob. How are you? I'm well. We've made it to another episode of the Couch Lutters Podcast. Oh, it's fantastic. I hope you're all as excited as I am. The first one, Osher Ginsberg. Lovely guy. Fantastic. Uh, wish you could have him over for Shabbos dinner. For those that enjoyed the episode, please, if you get a chance, add a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it's greatly appreciated. Today, we've got another great guest for you, Alice Fraser, just a wonderful comedian is dropping by to have a chat. Well, when I say dropping by, she's on Skype from the UK, so maybe not dropping by. But before we get to that, Trent, what's been happening in the world of popular culture? I'm so glad you asked, Rob. There has been so much happening in the world of Jewish pop culture. But first, I have to ask you, how do you feel about Indiana Jones? One of my all-time favourites. Yeah, mine too. Well, the great news for people like us is that there's a new one that's about to go into production. With Harrison Ford? With Harrison Ford playing age-appropriate, the age that he is now, I guess, which would be uh, approaching, well, 80. I think he's about 77 or 78. But uh, the important news that's uh, come in the world of Indiana Jones is that for the first time ever, Steven Spielberg won't be directing. Do you think this is a good thing? Look, I'm not sure, but the franchise really is his baby, even more so than George Lucas, who was the original story conceiver. Uh, I guess for those who need to know or are interested, Indiana Jones really only exists because Steven Spielberg twice tried to direct James Bond films and he was turned down. So in order to get that type of genre film well, on the screen, he turned to his friend George and together they came up with Indiana Jones as their answer to James Bond. So it's a big deal that he's not directing this one. So who's involved in it? Well, it's not yet confirmed, but another Jewish director has uh, looked like they're going to step in the frame, and that's James Mangold. He most recently uh, directed Ford versus Ferrari. He's a wonderful director. If anyone has seen the film Logan, I think the franchise is in good hands with him. I guess the other big news in pop culture is that for the first time since the show ended, the entire Friends cast is getting back together. Now, it is for a one-off. It's a one-off HBO Max special. It's unscripted. They're talking about uh, the show, essentially. The big motivation for each of them is that the rumor is they're getting paid 4.5 million US dollars each just to sit down together and have a chat. Uh, I'd do it for a bit less if they offered, though. But Trent, you weren't in Friends. I think that's an issue. Anything else you can share with us in this world of popular culture? There is so much going on, Rob. Now, this might not necessarily seem immediate like like pop culture to everyone out there, but it is huge news whether you realize it or not. And that is Bob Iger, the Jewish CEO of Disney, uh, is stepping down. Now, you might think, isn't that a business bit of news? But actually... It's way bigger than that because let's put Bob Iger's reign at Disney into perspective. Under his leadership, Disney purchased Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilms, 20th Century Fox and launched Disney+. Plus. Now, you're thinking, okay, what does all that mean? Well, under his leadership, Disney uh, was, was become responsible for franchises like Toy Story, The Avengers, Star Wars... Indiana Jones, which I've just mentioned, and The Simpsons. So he really was the doyen of all doyens, the macha of all machas when it comes to almost everything we're all consuming. So any 
reason why he stepped down? Well, look, his contract was due to uh, end at the, uh, I think it's next year. He is taking an executive chairman's role, which means he might be wielding some power yet. But I guess if I was Bob Iger, I would be saying, I think my work is done. I've conquered everything there is to conquer. So maybe he's going to enjoy his retirement. There's a few other things to mention before we move on. One is, uh, for all those fans of daytime TV, that Judge Judy, um, I guess everyone's familiar with her, right? I, I think anyone that's watched, been home sick and, hey, there's a bit of that going on at the moment has watched that Judge Judy episode. Yeah, after 25 years and 5,200 hours worth of episodes, her show is ending. And that's kind of a big deal. I mean, and let's put Judge Judy into some perspective. She is the highest paid TV personality in the entire world. She has a huge following, devoted fans, and boy, does she know how to make an adjudication. She's, she's not one that sits on the fence, is she? Well, she sits behind a bench on a I'm assuming a very comfortable chair. And finally, before we move on, I'm not sure if this means much to those people who aren't kind of immersed in the world of actors, but it was big news for me, and that is the seemingly indomitable James Lipton, who was a producer, actor, writer, the dean of the Actors Studio, and the longtime host of Inside the Actors Studio, has died at the age of 93. This man has had his, you know fingers, so to speak, in uh, involved in so many things for the last 60-odd years. Uh, he's even been parodied uh, by Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live for years. He's, he's just an incredible man who was interviewed in his time on his amazing show, uh, 269 of the, some of the greatest actors of the last half century. Uh, he will be missed. He was an incredible uh, uh, advocate for the acting craft and just an incredibly knowledgeable man. And it's a sad occurrence. I mean, he lived a long, fruitful life, but, you know, we should all just uh, maybe light a met- metaphorical candle for him. The Couch Luckers podcast. Light on the schmaltz, heavy on the chutzpah. Trent, you've spent a lot of time deep diving into pop culture. Have you had time to actually consume anything yourself? I have, Rob, and I've got to recommend to everyone a podcast a documentary and a film so let's start with the podcast it's uh, a podcast by one of my favorite all-time critics a guy called nathan rabin who uh maybe got his start in terms of being popular with the av club he was the editor of that amazing website and he's got a new podcast called travolta cage travolta cage and so what he and his co-host are doing Uh, going into every single film that John Travolta and Nicolas Cage have ever made. So each week they're doing it in chronological order, looking at one Travolta and one Cage. And in the end, they're trying to decide who is uh, the more accomplished actor and who's going to leave the bigger legacy. And it's absolutely hilarious. And because Nathan Rabin's involved, it's also like a really great exploration of filmmaking and the context in which the films were made. I couldn't recommend it more. Okay, so Travolta Cage is an interesting uh, comparison piece, I suppose, between these two icons. Well, yeah, they're, they're both so iconoclastic. Uh, there's no one else like them. I mean, they obviously hit the absolute peak of their individual careers, but together in Face Off, um, it's already, gosh, well over 20 years old, that film. But, wow, that film you know, is still resonating in terms of just how overblown it was. <laughs> yeah. 
So, okay, so they've faced off in Face Off. Yes, and now they're facing off in the Travolta cage. In, in the world of podcasting that we're both That's fans right. of. What else? Documentary. Okay. Yeah, documentary. Uh, recently added to Stan is a documentary by a Jewish photographer and filmmaker called Lauren Greenfield. Uh, you may have seen an earlier documentary of hers. There was excellent called The Queen of Versailles. I couldn't recommend that one more if you have the chance to get to it. But her newest one is called The Kingmaker, and it's the story of Imelda Marcos, the former first lady of the Philippines. Shoe lady. Well, that's how most people remember her. But what uh, Lauren Greenfield does here is tell this amazing story about kind of an intersection of money, violence, and self-entitlement and how they all work together through this woman to erode democracy in the Philippines. I think this is uh, really zeitgeisty at the moment. Uh, she's done really well to pick this subject. Now, Imelda's still alive and kicking on and kind of the power behind an entire clan, a dynasty of political movers and shakers in the Philippines. And what is so amazing about this documentary is how vividly uh, Lauren Greenfield captures this character, this real person who is so thoroughly aware of the cynical realities of the world and yet so also equally thoroughly lives in her own narcissistic delusions. It's really an amazing bit of filmmaking and and everyone should check it out. Sounds like something definitely worth watching. and what was the film you were interested in, Trent? Okay, so I just have to qualify this. I apologise. But I was actually doing some digging into Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, the actor, director, writer, producer. Nice Jewish boy. Third Rock from the Sun? Yeah, absolutely. But since then, films like Brick, 500 Days of Summer, and the film that he directed, Don John, which, is, which are all excellent films. I was thinking, what's he been up to lately? I haven't seen him on the screens in a while. It actually led me to his grandfather, his Zeta, uh, Michael Gordon, who I learned was a pretty prominent director from the 40s, 50s and 60s. And probably the most famous of his films is um, a film that you may have heard of called Pillow Talk, starring Doris Day and Rock Hudson. So I watched that and I've got to say that it's worthy of recommendation. Now, you're probably thinking, what's Trent going on about? Well, if you're into the rom-com genre, I happen to be. It really is one of the films that sets up all the tropes, the conventions, all the staples of that genre. And it's really fun to watch that. And in addition to that, it's great to see New York of that era. Now, it happens to be in the same era as the wonderful show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, And so you get to see that show's setting actually filmed at the time. But the other thing that's so interesting about it is the Doris plays this really interesting character that's super modern. She's independent and she's successful. She's in her mid-30s. She knows exactly what she wants and how to get it. And she isn't afraid to offer her opinions. And what's really staggering and just so refreshing, even in a modern context, is that she won't be reduced to either an asexual saint or a man-eating vixen. She plays something in between. And that's something that people should take a lesson from now. So I recommend going back and watching that. Pillow Talk, available on a streaming service It's to actually watch. Uh, something I, I rented on iTunes. And Trent, what's been happening on the Facebook group? Well, of all the interesting things going on the Facebook group, uh, I really want to point people's attention towards Shoshana Gottlieb's piece uh, that was themed for Valentine's Day. 
she wrote a article for Elmer, which she linked to the group, and it's a uh, Jewish pickup lines. Some were pretty funny. The one that really uh, resonated with me was the uh, one about checking twenty three and me out and finding out that then the two people are not related. I'm selling that terribly. What I recommend is going and reading them, having a bit of a chuckle, and it would be really good if people could uh, maybe post some Jewish pickup lines of their own. How about that? So for those who don't know about the Couch Latkes Facebook group, mm-hmm. simply go to Facebook, look up Couch Latkes and join in. The Couch Latkes podcast. Couldn't you just plutz? For a long time now, I've been of the opinion that stand-up comedy is the most essential, dynamic and democratic of all the performing arts. While I still have a deep and abiding love for film and theatre, entering each and every new show, expecting it to stimulate, absorb and entertain, it is actually stand-up that almost never lets me down. And today, we are thrilled to have joining us a comedy writer, podcaster and performer that embodies all that is essential and dynamic about the form. A stand-up comic who has the distinction of performing in Damascus, with the revered Cambridge Footlights, and so, so much more in between. A comedian that, if you don't already know, then we're excited to introduce to you. Please welcome to Couch Luckers, Alice Fraser. Alice, the first section that we do, it's, we call it the In the Fryer section, where we just throw you, like a Lutka, into the fryer, and you have to give us your top-of-head reaction. So Yeah, so the first one is Adam Sandler, yes or no? I probably enjoyed him when I was a teenager and hanging out with my twin brother and his teenage friends, but I don't think I'd go out of my way to um, see an Adam Sandler film unless it wasn't a comedy. He seems to be quite a good actor when he's not doing comedy. What about Mel Brooks or Woody Allen? Oh, Mel Brooks, every time. How come? Uh, I like Mel Brooks more. I grew up on Mel Brooks. Uh, and certainly, reputationally, he's got less problems. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's certainly true. Okay, uh, next one. Taika Waititi or Sasha Baron Cohen? Taika Waititi. I'm not a big fan of cringe comedy, and even though I respect what Sasha Baron Cohen does with his characters, I find it painful to watch. What about Seinfeld or Friends? Uh, I didn't really watch television growing up, so I wasn't really exposed to Seinfeld or Friends. Um, so I, I can't I can't have an opinion on that, unless it's actual Friends, in which case I would value my own <laughs> personal friendships over <laughs> Seinfeld. What What did you do with your misspent youth if you weren't watching TV? Uh, we ran around in the garden and played games with my twin. I read books in trees like an Eden, Enid Blyton asshole. I <laughs> uh, went to school, looked after mum, you know, the usual. It sounds like you, you did way more valuable things than I did, that's for sure. Okay, the next one. Uh, <laughs> maybe you already know the answer to this one, but watching TV in the morning, acceptable or not? Uh I, uh, see, this is a thing. The only time I really watch television would be on an aeroplane, in which case time means nothing. So go ahead, why not? What would you rather be when consuming content provoked or amused? It depends on what time of day it is, maybe. I would say amused. I'm not, I, I like um, provocative things, but I think of television as a place where you sort of relax. 
And or I, I sort of think provoked is maybe maybe that's a loaded term in my head. I like amusing things that sort of open up my head or make me look at them in a different look at the world in a different way. I don't think you need to annoy someone in order to have them reframe their idea of the world. Let's move on, Alice. Two words to describe the quintessential Jewish point of view. Argumentative and attached. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and lastly, uh, we need from you, Alice, the the spelling of the actor Timothy Chalamet. Spelling of yeah, how does Timothy, how do you spell, Timothy? That's right. How do you spell Timothy Chalamet, the star of Little Women, The King, Lady Bird, Call Me by Your Name, who happens to be a Jewish boy? Ah, it's T I M O T H E E, but one of the E's has an accent. So far, uh, so good. And a, 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 I can't remember which one it is. It's got to be the first E that's got an accent. Uh, and then Chalamet, uh, C-H-A-L-A-M-E-T. That, we haven't had that much fun since watching the documentary Spelling Bee. That was stressful and you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. You are <laughs> our inaugural recipient of the Muzzletov sticker. We are absolutely honoured for you to have it. Do you like to laugh? Yes, Rob. Can you wait? Do I have to? You have to wait until April 28th. Why, Rob? That's when the Jewish Comedy Showcase for 2020 is on. Sounds great. Can you tell me more? Well, this year we have a headline act from the US, Mike Goldstein. Okay, and who else is on the bill? Uh, it's hosted by Ben Cochin, and of course, Alice Fraser is performing. Our own Alice Fraser. Our own Alice Fraser. From the UK, Robin Reynolds and Jamie Kirk. Fantastic. How much are tickets? $35 for concessions and $45 full price. And Rob, tell me where it is. The Comedy Store at the Entertainment Quarter Mall Park. Great. Well, be sure to go to the Shalom website for further details and to purchase your tickets. What are you consuming right now? So what are you watching, reading or listening to, fueling or inspiring your own wonderful content? I'm reading a book by Maria Popova, who I found on Twitter, actually, and it's called uh, Figuring. So she's an incredibly incredible curator of content. She reads very deeply and then brings articles or poets or artworks uh, to your attention if you follow her on Twitter. And she's published a book, uh, which was given to me by a friend uh, who's a mutual friend of hers. I am also uh, reading a whole bunch of trashy fantasy novels that I won't name and uh, watching, I'm not watching anything, although uh, with a friend I'm committed to watching Picard, which is the new Star Trek that's out on Netflix. Have Have you started that? I haven't quite got into that yet, but I was a big fan of it. Of Next Generation, yeah. Yeah, Next Generation. Wonderful show. The Next Generation is great. I quite like Deep Space Nine if you haven't gotten into that. That's worth getting into if you can get over Captain Sisko's weird way of talking <laughs> and see it as a deliberate choice rather than a terrible, terrible mistake. I'm no. also re-watching The Witcher with my brother uh, because he is what, he's got a baby at the moment and he wants to watch it and relax if I'm over there. So I'm happy enough to re-watch that. 
you are a, you know, a dedicated sister. Um, is there something you can re- recommend that most people would know nothing about? Something that, it's, it's, like, for want of a better term, off the grid. Uh, there's a book by, a children's book by an author called James Thurber called The Thirteen Clocks, which is one of the most delightful pieces of literature I've read. I don't think it can be said to be off the grid anymore because uh, Neil Gaiman recently, I think, republished it um, because he loved it as well. But it is just beautifully written, like almost poetry, like a fairy tale, utterly delightful. If you get get an opportunity to get your hands on a copy of that, that is well worth reading. We all have to happen to have uh, a fairly unique circumstance. Rob is the father of twins. You happen to be a twin and Mm. I happen to be a triplet. And I guess uh, a question I'm interested from any other person who's affiliated with multiple births. In your case, how has being a twin shaped, if at all, your pop culture tastes and habits? Together, we were allowed to watch one hour of television a week uh, after the age where that was an option. And so we had to agree on what we would watch. Um, So my brother and my taste, particularly in trashy television, are very much shaped by what we agree on rather than what we disagree on. So I think first it was uh, Hercules, the uh, thrilling adventures of Hercules, then Xena, Warrior Princess. And at some point there was also um, The Adventures of Lois and Clark. And I think that was mainly because they were advertised in the same time slot. So those were the only television shows we were really aware of uh, coming up. So, but I think that gave us a taste for slightly uh, pulpy adventure and, stuff and campy here and there. As well. yeah. I mean, Xena's uh, definitely shaped in the classics. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's sort of knowing that it was crap and kind of also at the same time having both of us having a slightly classical education, you could see what they were getting wrong, but it was enjoyable to have it referenced anyway. My brother won't watch uh, the Marvel movies nowadays, the superhero movies, because he thinks that they are propagandizing a very bad idea that, you know, in the face of disaster, you can be passive until a charismatic ubermensch comes and saves you. Um, So he won't see any of those Marvel movies with me, but he will still absolutely sit down and watch The Witcher with me. So you're saying you, you are happy to watch the Marvel films irrespective of your brother. So what is it that's drawing you to the Marvel films? Um, you know, you've clearly articulated his position. That again is mainly, that's a social thing mainly. I tend not to watch things on my own, except on aeroplanes where I watch action movies, uh, but not usually the Marvel ones, unless they're the only option. What I like about action movies is the, the dance fighting sequences and the choreography of the fighting or in the case of an action uh, series like The Fast and the Furious, you have this like car ballet that happens and watching the ways in which they sort of use the cameras to create create movement and scope and then all of the stunts and the props and the, the whole um, choreography of it is, is super fascinating to me. And the storyline is also can be fun. It's interesting how many comedians tend to be able to make that transfer into action. Um, particularly when it comes to uh, men. But that, uh, it's, it seems to be a relatively natural alliance, comedy and action, which you'd think would be the opposite. You think of action movies either as, as being very earnest and very silly, but not necessarily self-aware. But actually, you think about you know Bruce Willis. Eric Banner was originally a comedian. Yeah. Uh, 
Michael Keaton in Batman. All of these, all of these people who sort of transitioned. The, the Rock is quite a good comedian. He, he sure is. Um, certainly, screen comedian. Well, what do you put that down to? What's your insight into that? Commitment, throwing yourself into something, throwing yourself at the role. And very good comedians are not good at acting as other people but they're quite good at acting as themselves, of conveying intensity of emotion as themselves. And I think action movie, star, action movie hero types tend not to have a lot of personality, but they do have a lot of intensity. It, yeah, it seems to be something that's um, prevalent in the genre, that, you know, it, as opposed to almost every other genre I can think of, that the, the central protagonist in an action film doesn't change or doesn't transform as a result of the events of the story they, their immutability, their consistency is what changes the entire world around them. So I think that you know, you're, you're onto something there, that, that, um, that idea of you know, commitment and you know, clear, uh, to a clear identity. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting stuff. Well, you, that, that if, you're doing a, if you're telling a story as a comedian, you need to be able to put yourself into the story as yourself, but you're not necessarily a kind of a chameleon or an actor. You're conveying something, you're communicating something that's real. But, like, you don't think of the characters that Sylvester Stallone played and the different characters that he embodied, or Arnold Schwarzenegger, or Sean Connery in Highlander and his atrocious accent. Like, he's, he's not doing, he's not acting as a different character, he's performing as this action hero. And I think it's a, a distinct thing from sort of classical traditional acting. I think Martin Scorsese recently got in a bit of trouble for drawing a line between what he thinks of as Hollywood cinema and these action blockbusters. They are different genres and they are entertaining. I'll bring you back to the comedian because, I mean, I think one of the reasons is to be a stand-up. There's nothing else. You don't have a band. You don't have other actors. It's just you. So the the guts and the bravery around that's probably why it's not too much of a leap into superhero world. Well, I mean, that uh, you have, you're playing, when you're a stand-up on stage, you're playing with a very fundamental survival instinct that we have, which is, you know, like if you want to go to hack evolutionary biology, which I always do, I love <laughs> hack evolutionary biology, but like it's a real risk. If you stand up in front of your community and you say something risky, sort of traditionally speaking, pre-industrial revolution, <laughs> um, that might get you in real, real, real trouble. That's a, that's a life-threatening risk. People are afraid of public speaking for a reason. It's a survival instinct to be afraid to put yourself out there and make a statement. In the context of doing it as stand-up comedy, it's bungee jumping, it's skydiving. You get all of the thrill of this near-death experience with none of the real risk, unless you consider being cancelled a risk. Um, so comedians quite often are adrenaline junkies, which I think would transfer quite well. Alice, thanks so much for being part of the Couch Lutkers podcast. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Very odd sitting in my little room in London and talking to people all over the other side of the world. Yeah, that's the, we're thankful for the technology. It. We're, we're both fans of your podcast, particularly uh, Tea with Alice. And for those people who are interested in the world of stand-up comedy, um, you've had incredible stand-up performers like Ed Byrne and El Murray, Graham Elwood, Will Anderson and Mike Kaplan uh, on your show. And they're always worth listening to, especially when you're the one interviewing them. And 
it's also uh, something to talk about. I guess it's your trilogy uh, podcast that was put out by the um, ABC. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Couldn't recommend it more. And finally, uh, we're Thank huge you. fans of Andy Zaltzman and uh, his Bugle podcast. So if you haven't heard that out there, Alice is a frequent uh, contributor to that show and that's just another reason to listen to it. So we've just launched um, a spin-off. We just uh, launched oh. a spin-off of The Bugle, which is called The Last Post, which is a daily satirical news podcast set in an alternate dimension. And I host that. The Couch Luckers podcast, 100% kosher for Pesach. That was a great interview with Alice on Skype. Yeah, no, it, there was a lot of really interesting ground covered. I think, it's, you know, as a uh, as a fan of comedy and a parent of twins, it's interesting to see how twins get on in the world. And Alice is like <laughs> bright and has a very unique take in the world. Well, you know, between her outstanding comedic skills and her brother, I think he's a law academic. They're really good role models for any twins, right? Absolutely. So we talked a bit about action films with Alice. Uh, she's a huge fan. I am as well. Uh, we talked about why comedians make such great action film performers. Um, and it got me thinking about gr- the greatest Jewish action stars. And you might think to yourself out there, hang on, Jewish action film stars? Well, Trent, there was Mark Spitz won a few Golds. Well, he was a, a swimmer. He was uh, he was not an action star, but you know you could argue that the greatest action film star of all time is Jewish. Who's that? Harrison Ford. Good call. We, we talked about him earlier, actually. Yeah. Well, Harrison Ford's mother was Dorothy Nadelman. So he's he could have been Harrison Nadelman if she kept her name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but the, yeah, he he's halachic, baby. <laughs> anyway, so. But there are, there are a bunch of others. It'd be really great to hear from any of you out there who you think the greatest are. Who do you think, Trent? Well, I've got, I know you. I know you've written some two. down. I've got two. Um, one of them is super well-known to everybody. If, you, if you're a fan of The Godfather, Rob, are you a fan of The Godfather? Absolutely. Sonny Corleone, James Kahn, maybe the greatest Jew ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pose that one. Not only is he the star of action films like Rollerball, Freebie and Being, The Killer Elite, Alienation, Eraser, etc. He was a professional football, American footballer and he's a sixth level master of martial arts. He is an uber Jew. Certainly I wouldn't mess with James Kahn without armory anyway. <laughs> the other one who's probably less known, despite the fact that you've all probably seen him over the years, is a great story. It's an actor called Yafet Koto. Now, he's probably most uh, regularly seen. He was in many, many seasons of Law and Order, but he also starred in a lot of action films. Uh, he was in a Bond film, Live and Let Die. He played the villain. He was in The Running Man. He's in one of my favorite action comedies of all time called Midnight Run with Robert De Niro. He's a six foot four African American man who is an Orthodox Jew. And he did not convert. He was born that way. His father was an Orthodox Jew. He claims that his father's descendants from Cameroon, the entire tribe, converted to Judaism. And he grew up as an African-American man in the 40s and 50s and 60s as an Orthodox Jew. And that is a hell of a story. Bit of baggage there. There's no doubt about that. I don't know about that, but what there is is an absolutely wonderful actor. Anytime he appears on screen, he owns it. Anyway, so they're my, my two examples. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to post them in the Facebook group and get that conversation going, we can't wait to hear your suggestions.
the Couch Luckers podcast, schlepping through the zeitgeist so you don't have to. So thanks again for listening this week. We've had a great time producing and making this podcast. Absolutely. It was a real pleasure speaking to Alice. She's an incredibly intelligent and thoughtful person. We are super excited to bring you future episodes as well. So until next time, Rob. Remember, rate, review, Spotify, Apple, we're everywhere where you can find a podcast, the Couch Luckers podcast. And if you like us, please let anyone you know, friends, family, strangers, uh, that we're out there and we're looking forward to them listening as well. Great. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Couch Luckers podcast. This podcast has been produced by eTales.com.au.